At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella Lumbach here, the World Messenger, and I'm inviting you for another epic episode of Legacy Leader Show. Today in studio, I have someone actually joining us from different continent. We're traveling the world and having conversation a very important topic. Um, this individual that I will introduce shortly is having phenomenal background and a lot of versatile business acumen. But more than anything, obviously excelling in leadership roles and wide range of industries and desiring always to push the envelope further. And as a result, he's here today in the studio because he created this really interesting um, book that I wanted to share with all of you uh, that addresses some of the hottest topics that we're seeing today. Obviously, he is great in marketing, promotion, and many other things. And without further ado, let me introduce you, Daniel Bungay, who is joining us from South Africa, from Johannesburg. Hi, Daniel. How are you? I'm fine, Isabel. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. How is everything in uh, your parts of the world? Uh, pretty good. We're going into a rainy season. We uh, It's a very hot country and we're going into rainy season. So uh, we're looking forward to a little bit of cool down and uh, some uh, nice green grass growing. Nice. It's so wonderful that with technology that we're leveraging using today, we can travel the world and be with you now in South Africa and get this amazing conversation going. So, Daniel, obviously, you've been doing so many different things, being an educator, being also someone who has so many expertise on the journey of education, finding ways to engage audiences, also leverage that through the powerful stories and marketing. And you did something really interesting uh, recently. You also created uh, this powerful book that's called Unmasking the Shadow, The Poison of Dishonesty. That yes. is very, very powerful and profound title. Do you mind, before we dive into the book, tell us a little bit about your background and what got you to the journey to do this today? Well, if I had to be specific and not give you details, uh, what led me through to today, like most of us, is pain. Um, pain of all kinds, relationship pain, career pain, financial pain, um, mostly pain that, that causes you either to rebuild the same forms that you've had previously or to change those forms and to become something new. And a lot of this uh, book is about uh, the results of looking at pain um, and the results of pain and trying to uncover it and see how you can make a better life out of pain. And is pain the only thing that, uh, that this life is about? Because a lot of people seem to be able to only register pain. And I'm like, 
No, that seems to be the shadow of what life's about. That seems to be a little bit dishonest because there's, there's there has to be more to this 70 years that we live around in this world. So my background is, uh, it's diverse. There's a, there's a lot of things in it. I've I've built Viking ships. Um, I've written uh, this book. I've I've done all kinds of things, but. Um, the most thing, the biggest thing that has taken me or brought me through to today is acknowledging that pain exists as valuable towards moving forward to a better life. Wow, that is so profound. I want to pause for a second. Uh, everybody experienced pain. It's so relatable and it seems like pain has been never as high as right now as we're seeing what's going on on global scene but also people are acting and reacting because they're simply giving up and they cannot handle the pain they're going through correct and i love that you said that you did this through experiential experience obviously leveraging what what you what you went through uh, and arrived to such a profound undertaking to address it in such a powerful way and such a perfect timing, as they always say. Um, but I'm intrigued before we dive into pain. Um, mm. you said you build Viking ships. I lived in Sweden and Scandinavia and seen so many fragments of Viking ships. I didn't even know that they are being built in the modern era. Please tell me a little bit about that. One of the biggest uh, companies or, or, uh, in South Africa is Bidvest. Um, and I was doing some um, training for them, entrepreneurial training uh, and innovative training. And the, the concept of being innovative means to be able to take yourself out of the square box that society fits you into and that you brought up culturally to uh, remain a prisoner or a slave to. And so... With innovation comes brainstorming and the ability to to think outside of that space that you are uh, a slave to. And the idea was it was to do something that is outside of my skill set, something that is outside of what I need for my life and something that was outside of my capacity uh, to be able to do. And so one day I decided that uh, I'm going to literally one day I was on top of a mountain thinking, what is the next step forward? And the step that came to mind was to build a Viking ship. Um, I didn't, ha- I owned a screwdriver. I didn't have any woodworking skills. I had, I don't own a boat. I'd never been on a boat. Um, I, you know, I, I don't have any plans for this thing. So I, I went home uh, from this uh, little experience and told my wife, you know, I'm going to be building a, a Viking ship. And she looked at me and she says, um why and i couldn't answer the question i couldn't tell her why only thing i knew that i needed to do was i needed to explore the intangible elements that are inside of me and i needed to make them tangible i needed to make what's inside of me real i needed to own some piece of this life that that i needed to put something into this world that i own something that that i made that comes from the inside of me so I tried to research and I tried to find plans online and I tried to do that thing. I couldn't I couldn't find um, any kind of plan to build a, a boat. And that was a Monday. Um, by Friday, I had decided to build and I had received my first stock of wood. Uh, and 51 days later, 
um, we put what is now called the Nordic Sea. We put the Nordic Sea to sail. It took 51 days. Um, it's a task that would usually take a couple of years. Uh, I spent 16, 18 hour days for 51 days straight building um, and expressing myself out of, you know, um, into this boat. Uh, we built 22, I think it was 20, 22 feet long. Um, and when we launched this, this boat, I invited uh, anyone on Facebook who wanted to come through. 68 people said they would come. And on the day, we had over 1,300 people that came to see this. Uh, the South African Sailing Maritime Authority arrived. And they gave me a license registering the boat as a, a, an official uh, vessel um, with a registration number. So not only was it legal, not only did it float straight up, um, not only was it accepted by the community, but it was the first one in Africa uh, that had been built. Uh, my wife and I did it um, together, as I said, on a day-to-day basis. And when I got to the end of it, we had... You know, media was was coming to us. We had all kinds of people, you know, coming to see it and being involved. But I was trying to get the message out of it. I was like, why now? I've done this task. I have listened. I have been obedient to to what what was inside of me, what was asking me to do this thing. I was I was I was disciplined to to hearing that voice every single night. As strange as hearing that voice may be, it's it's it's, it's something we can discuss and unpack. Um, but I got to the end of it and realized um, what the journey had taught me. It had taught me that the life is about doing a magic trick. The magic yeah. trick is is that um, is is to just simply apply yourself. It doesn't matter what the direction is. It doesn't matter whether you're good at it or not good. It doesn't matter if you have the skill or if you don't have the skill. But to sit idle and do nothing, and 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 belong and be owned by by the pain of life or whatever it is that you have, because everybody's niggly about some kind of pain, whether it's small or big, it's proportional to your life. But to sit there and do nothing about it um, is 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 terrible. But to do something and to act directly on it uh, doesn't seem to work. But if you apply yourself to anything else, just do something that adds value to the world, even if you don't end, understand it. So I built this boat. It got a lot of attention. It got a lot of excitement. Um, but the one thing that it, I didn't know that it would do is it would create in me a type of wholeness, a type of honesty. Um, it would help me repair pain. It would help me to recognize value in myself. It would help give me insight as to what future goals were possible. It also helped me to see who the people are in my life that um, were, were true and honest and those that weren't, those that had belief in me and those that thought I was a joke. It taught me so much about my world and the environment in which I live that it gave me the opportunity to take a new step forward. And that new step forward, the magic trick that I was talking about is that while you're doing one thing in life here, something else is happening over here that you can't see. And while I was concentrating on all my energies and, and learning a new skill and, and developing relationship with friends and people and the organic nature of, 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 of life, things, wood, you name it, 
during that time, there was something inside of me growing and developing. And the people around me were also growing and developing because they were becoming part of the story. It was no longer just about me. It was now about the community of us and what we're going to do. And every single time I took my boat and put it on the water, uh, this huge thing, I had to take it to, to, a, to the local dam. Um, the amount of people that would uh, follow us and stop and, and want to be part of this process, like, who does this? What is this? How can I be part of this? And about a year later, uh, a, a, a gentleman by the name of Gideon uh, um, Galloway, who uh, was the guy who started one of the biggest insurance companies in South Africa called uh, King Price Insurance. He phoned me on one Sunday and said to me, look, I'm buying a, um, a Dutch uh, insurance company um, and I'd like to purchase your Viking ship as a mascot for it. Would you be willing? And I was like, I'm very happy for, for, for a big company like that to purchase it and put it into their reception area and let it be the mascot for their business. So although I don't own the ship anymore, the Nordic Sea is in a reception area, um, all seven meters high, two and a half meters wide, three meters uh, at, the, at the head and the tail, and uh, eight or nine meters long, uh, it's in a reception area. So um, that's the little story about, about that. I don't know. Uh, do you have any questions that is so powerful and 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 I'm, I'm so glad you shared because obviously it was a fundamental stopping block for you uh to arrive and i love what you said you you felt called to do that you didn't understood but you figured out the way and the best part you did this with your wife and as a result um you built something that also community celebrated recognized find it to be something to be cherished that is unique, that is different. But the growth, mm. that helped you to deal with your pain. So that is me metaphoric. Could be for both for someone, biking boats or something else for somebody else. But if you become mind sharing, um, when you start experiencing pain, which we all experience in different phases in life, sometimes more than others, and 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 that pain either propel us forward or help us, or put us to sink in despair. How did you recognize uh, the shift and change, and how did you dealt with the pain uh, so that others can learn and also be able to overcome it? So, um, pain is is. Uh... Pain is recognizable by all humans. So there's not some big traumatic event in my life that says that um, my share of pain is disproportionately bigger uh, to me than it is to you. No, I'm a human, and therefore I experience uh, emotions like you do. And my proportion of pain to me is determined by the circumstance and the environment that I'm in. Um, so I divided my pain into four different areas. I divided it into a place of physical pain, uh, mental pain, emotional pain, and spiritual pain, these four areas. And then I determined from this pain um, which of those four areas owns which, which is the, where is the priority, where is the prior status in those things. And I thought, well, without life, there can be, without life, there can be nobody. 
So physical pain is the lower part of it. Without mental pain, without life, there can be no mental pain. So I put that also lower down. Without life, there can be no emotions. So I put that lower down. And I realized that the three types of pain that you get, physical, mental, and emotional pain, uh, are a subset of a total of spiritual pain. You cannot sort out your spiritual life and your spiritual body when these three areas, your physical, mental, and your emotional body, are in some type of disrepair. So the concept was then is that how do I fix my physical body? How do I fix my mental body? And how do I fix my emotional body? Because if I fix those three, the spiritual body will look after itself. And so I realized that the only way to do that was, was to recognize it for what it was. But when I recognized pain physically, I realized what a coward I was. When I recognized pain emotionally, I recognized how unskilled and how immature I was. And when I recognized pain mentally, I recognized how much deception there was. And so I realized that any type of pain that I would need to, uh, uh, to gain some kind of spiritual insight, I would need to become a warrior that stands in the front of physical pain, that stands in the front of mental pain, and that stands in the front of emotional pain. And that warrior is a warrior that says, I will be disciplined towards actioning the value of increasing um, more purpose towards my physical body, towards my mental body, and towards my emotional body. I need to get more skilled mentally. I need to get more mature emotionally, and I need to get stronger physically. Now, we're not talking about big muscles. We're, not, we're talking about the ability to maintain the process of moving forward when life gets tough, when, when, when the world around you gets tough, when, when um, the, the people and the environment that you're in gets tough, and the way that you respond to the world behaviorally gets tough. You must be able to stand there with a mindset that says, I can and I will. But it's not enough to be motivated to do that because motivation is insufficient. The, the embodiment of empowerment is insufficient. Let me give you an example. If, if you have a very powerful vehicle and that vehicle cannot find first gear, it's not going to move anywhere, no matter how powerful it is. So empowerment is insufficient to the human being. Even the smallest disempowered person, if they can find first gear, can move forward. And so the idea of being able to move forward, regardless of what your lack of opportunity is, whether your environment allows it, whether your skin color says you should, whether your ethnic uh, race says that you must, uh, whether your educational or financial facility says that you should or shouldn't, it doesn't matter who is for you or against you. If you can find first gear, you will be miles ahead of the most empowered people if they can't find first gear. And moving forward is really just what it's about, but it takes the discipline of recognizing the value within yourself. So number one, finding the, the physical strength, the mental strength, and the emotional strength. But then when you start you know, climbing the ladder of those three little things there, you'll start feeling spiritually connected to this world, this universe, 
other people. And your connection and relationship with people starts to develop and build, but not because you're doing anything to the world, but because you're doing something to yourself. It is only when the strength of your own physicality, mental, mentality, and your emotional body is has got some kind of check on it. Uh, we're not talking about the highest forms of strength that it could be. Just some kind of first gear, forward movement. That your ability to recognize the value of your spiritual life now becomes available to you and that you have now got some type of insight. Insight. I did see that that the idea of building the boat was was about putting the books down. It was about uh, stopping the schooling and stopping the intellectual discovery of of what intellectually is available to me, and rather applying my hand to life and seeing now, okay, if I'm to move forward and to believe that there is an opportunity for me. That must mean that I believe that the opportunity within life is equal for all. And then people will say, yeah, but opportunity is not equal for all. It's different for men and women. It's different for um, ages. It's different for uh, nations. It's a different thing. And I say, okay, let me let me discover this quickly. Let me let me put an analogy together. And I say, there are three little three little kids on the floor. There they are in an open environment, three little kids. Each one of those kids is the same age, uh, but they are all from different backgrounds, culturally, ethnically. They can't even speak each other's languages. But there they are, three little kids sitting on the floor and they're playing with elastic bands. That's all they're doing. And one adult walks past them and looks at them, says and does nothing and continues walking past. A second adult of a different race, of a different ethnicity, walks past them, looks at them, walks past, doesn't say anything. A third adult walks past them, looks at them. They're a different, they're from a different country, they're from a different, it doesn't matter what the gender is, it doesn't matter what the race is, it doesn't matter what the ethnicity is, but it was different from the previous two. They looked at this and said, look at these three children playing with elastic bands. And they took the concept of elastic bands and created the loom band industry and became a multimillionaire from just making a loom band industry. Now, that opportunity was available to anyone, any gender, any race, any age, regardless of your money, regardless of your, of your educational status. Just by having the opportunity to look at life as it stands in front of you gave you the opportunity to see what was before you but you couldn't do that if your if your mental body your physical body and your emotional body were disrupted by the shadows of pain and the dishonesty of life within you you couldn't see opportunity because only the the the, the noise and the battle within your head that rages inside of you was disturbing the peace of your opportunity to just look at life as it is and so this is how I see it. And this is, this is what, what, what the book is about. The book is about taking the opportunity to see life from the perspective of being dishonest, uh, from being honest. But you can't do that before you recognize and put up your hand and say, I am a dishonest person. And who wants to do that, Isabel? Nobody wants to stand up and say that I'm a dishonest person. Nobody wants, but 
you see, the thing is that you can't lead other people before you can lead yourself. Yeah. You can't tell other people what they must physically do in order to get healthier before you're willing to do that yourself. You can't explain to other you. You get where I'm going with this. So, yes. sorry, I, I, I've been talking too much. So maybe what I'll do is I'll have a sip of water and let you uh, you talk. <laughs> <laughs> no problem at all. I love your passion. I love your conviction, and I love how you connect in the dots. This is very powerful. Not only topic but again, very relevant conversation because we're seeing so many shadows and people have a different interpretation of what that means. And what also means on unmasking these shadows, how we're perceived, how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive society, current events, uh, how do we see one side versus the other? And, and, and how do we truly honestly, deeply connect with whatever might be and how this, unfortunately, this honest, as, I, as we see in the past, people were both saying half of the truth or part of the truth. And now with so much, so many types of information, disinformation creates this conflict internal and external, right? It's like, what do I experience internally? What I'm seeing that's happening externally? What are the facts? Where is the truth? And how can I honestly also share my emotions and feel like I can be me without being scolded, without being also perceived in different ways. And we've spent mm. so much time in that circle that it's truly, as you pointed out, um, it is the poison. It's the poison that affects us individually. It's the poison that affects us in our own um, personal environments, as well as at large and in communities and globally. So one thing that I love when I was checking your book, you did mm -hmm. something specific around senseless suffering, how times sometimes we suffer uh, more than we need to, because what's that all about, right? And how sometimes our actions inflict even more pain. It's not the outcome mm. that we really want to, but we don't know how to handle it. We don't know how to unpack it and as a result affect us, right? Uh, do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Because I'm seeing so many people holding path to the past, holding to the grudges, holding to things that they cannot change or feeling in such a strong pain because of their own um, shadow of feeling guilty or feeling for, feel completely responsible for certain actions and events and how, how to overcome that. So, in this world, you 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 have got forms. Uh, should we call them uh, infrastructure? Uh, you you're you're made of things. Uh, from the time that you're born until the time where you find yourself in this moment, you have created an infrastructure of how you live your life in many different facets, and those are forms. Now. If we if we if we pause there for a moment and and just go back in time, and we say, when when people wanted to build something strong, they would take a piece of metal, and they would put it into a a furnace, and they would bring it out the furnace when it is red hot, and they would beat it until it changes form, mm. and when that form changes and it cools down. It's now in a new form and has a new purpose. It can be used for a new thing. It no longer has the same uh, purpose as it had before. It now has a new a future, a new opportunity. Now, 
in this world, the dishonesty that we face is that when we experience pain, we are told to take the easy path, the path of least resistance. And the path of least resistance is a path that usually leads to the form being rebuilt or padded in the same way as it was when the force of life came to destroy it, harm it, break it, or crack it. Now, the truth is, is that a furnace is not hot enough. The old form of a furnace that changes the metal infrastructure is called an ethanol. So if you wanted to change the molecular structure of what it is that you are trying to reform, it would need to be put into the ethanol. Now, it is when you experience physical, emotional, um, and mental pain, the heightenedness of it will determine the heat of that ethanol. If you take the forms of your life, which you experience, and at that moment, you have the strength within you to face it and not take the path of least resistance, but to face it as it is presented by life and change it with the heat of the moment in the ethanol of life and allow it to go through the process of changing its molecular structure with you looking at it, watching it, managing how the form will change and become new. When you bring it down and that bring it out and that time, in that moment, that circumstance, that environment changes, you will no longer be the same person. The difference in doing it by looking at it and facing it is that you've got two ways of facing some kind of pressure in life, either willingly or unwillingly. If yes. you do it unwillingly, then it will change you into the form that it decides you must now be. And for most people, that is a form you don't want to be. It is the form yeah. of less. It is the form of um, uncomfortability. I'm saying stand, face, look. Now, as the pain comes and unfolds itself, let that gear that you have that you pushed into forward motion, now chain, put that gear into forward motion, say, what can I take advantage from this physically? What can I take advantage of this mentally? What can I take? And, and start doing, you see, we get very complicated. It's a bee's nest inside of our heads. Before you are, um, the way that I see this is as follows, is that, you don't need to eat food right now. You can last a couple of days, seven, eight, ten days, whatever it is without food. You can even last um, a few days, maybe two, three days, maybe four days without water. But you cannot last two minutes without air. You are two minutes away from death every single moment of your life. You are a gas machine. You, that's what you are. Your first priority in life is to breathe. That's your first priority. The purpose of life is not to become an astronaut. It's not to become a doctor. It's not to become a podcaster. It's not to become the, the greatest nothing. The purpose of life is to live. And the evidence of this purpose is in the first thing, your first priority is to breathe. Anything that comes after this <clears throat> becomes the action of life, the value of life, 
the reason for being. But without life, you can have no purpose. So the first purpose of life is to live. And the first priority is to breathe. Now, when you're facing the ethanol of life, your first purpose is to breathe. You breathe through the mental pain, you breathe through the physical pain, and you breathe through the emotional pain. When you just breathe as the first action of life, you will find that the thing that holds life together, the thing that gives life, will give you the opportunity to receive the message from the mountain, if I can speak in those metaphorical terms, the message of the boat that you must now make, that you think is ridiculous, that you don't know how, that you don't have the skill for, that everybody will laugh at, that you don't have the financial bearings for, that makes no sense. And you will be disciplined to that authority and you listen to the voice that comes from inside and you follow the path of first gear. First gear says forward movement. Forward movement means every decision that you make must add value to your physical body. Is what you're about to do now going to add or take away from the value of your physical body? In other words, are you going to go drink alcohol to get out of this problem? Yes, I'm going to go drink alcohol. So that's the wrong motion. The first step motion is to walk away from that. The mental body is the mental body now is to is to start pointing fingers, creating blame. No, the first thing is to create a status of mind that allows you to be able to recognize forward move, movement. What does the next picture in my head look like that I need to achieve emotionally? What is the very next thing that I got to do? Break down, cry, take something to stop this emotional pressure, take a tablet. What must? No, it's to allow life to give you the experience of those endorphins, those, that cortisol, whatever it is, listen to what your body's telling you and say, how do I take this and add value to my life? Now, breathe. Breathe through each one of these things. The moment that you breathe physically, mentally, emotionally, you are now at peace. Please don't let peace think of something that is calming. People can be at peace going to war because they recognize the value of what it is that they're doing, the purpose for which they are doing it, the drive which is compelling them to do it. We're not talking about a, a mindset of butterflies. and No, we're talking about I can be at peace and at rest with the forward movement that I now have to travel. I am at peace with what it is that I have to, the next action I need to take. This is not some carefree way of going, oh, I'm at peace now and I'm spirit. No, nonsense. This is me holding a sword in my hand. This is holding a shield in my other hand. This is me staring squarely at the dragon in front of me, looking at it. And although it is bigger than me and although there's fire breathing over me and although there are hordes of them in front of me, I will not back off. I will not move to the side. I will not allow you to move past this point as far as I, you will not prevail, in other words. And I will continue to do that. Now, if you, if you can just have the feeling inside of your chest to walk forward and recognize the value of forward movement one moment at a time. You don't have to look at the forward movement of one hour or next day. Just in this breath, 
I only have to have this breath and I only have to take one forward movement in this breath now. And then when I get through this breath, I only have to take the next breath forward and the next breath forward. And the chain of breaths holding each other together means that I have a strength in behind me that it starts to build up a momentum and a power of which whatever is in front of me will not be able to. And this is the type of thinking. And as you start talking, as you hear me talking about it, you hear that it starts building up passion and a desire and a, and, and a, and a drive to want to achieve it. Because if this is how you talk to yourself and others, then this is what you will become. You become the warrior that you need in your life. You'll become the hero of your purpose. You'll become the reason your life has value. And you will stop looking for it outside of you, but recognize that it is building and growing and developing from inside of you. And you will start seeing that the answer to life begins with you having it inside of you. Now that you start seeing the, the little green growth spurts of it coming outside of you, you start to recognize the value of it. As you start hearing the way you speak and the way that you look at things, you'll start recognizing that you now have something of value to give to other human beings. And now it's not going to be empty. It's not, it's not going to be some saying that you saw on a bumper stick of a car or on the back of a sugar sachet. It's not going to be something that, that is just there to blanket whatever problem the person's in. Now it will start being able to add value to the direct place of pain that that person is residing in within that physical, mental, or emotional state. And as you start healing them by giving them of the fruit that you are producing abundantly more of yourself, you give from what you yourself have been helped with and help them to recognize that within themselves. You are healing them because you have allowed yourself to be healed first. And now it's not by your hand that they are better. It is by their own hand that they are now better because they are connecting now to the source of life from where they come. And their opportunity to reach out to God, to reach out to the universe, to reach out to what belief and faith that they hold important and value to them now becomes tangible, whereas before it was intangible. They couldn't touch it. They couldn't smell it. They couldn't see it. Now they can feel it. Now they can hold on to it. Now it becomes a firm foundation on which they can stand. And when life gives them the opportunity to, to, to be part of a society, be part of a culture, be part of a, 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 a people, now they can add value into that society in such a way as to be giving into life. So that when death does come, because it comes for all, Death will be smiling and you will be looking and saying, I have lived this life and I die in a better place than from where I was born. I have not taken only, but I have given more than I have received. And as a result, I accept death willingly because death has said to me, you have added to life in such a way that the people that live beyond you are, are relishing and living because of you having lived. You get you get the, the train of my thinking. This is what the book is about, just by the way. I don't know if it expresses it like that, but that's what it's about. The dishonesty, sorry, very long question answer to you, but the dishonesty is about 
not believing that all these things that I've spoken about exist. The world will tell you dishonestly that you are not the value, not the human, not the being that you could be. It will train you into becoming something that you're not. That's where the dishonesty is. Anyway, sorry for that long talk. <laughs> it's so much there to unpack, but I also like um, how you connected to dots and gave us on the journey, obviously, from uh, recognizing and unveiling these shadows within us and then also understanding mm -hmm. what our, our journey is all about. Every, every journey has its own story and how we can stop from suffering, how we can stop from pain and address that pain and fuel it for, for change. But sometimes we forget the most fundamental things. And I love what you said about breath, how important that component is in our life because it's essence for it's that's where life is stemming from, right? And and as a result, how often uh, we forget just to enjoy and appreciate and breathe and, and also look around as I said, through opportunities within us and so that we can fulfill them and express them and deal with that. Mm. But also, I, I have to say, um, having this journey, obviously, from, from, from what you just shared and taking us all the way, uh, you mentioned, obviously, about Viking Boat and the legacy around that you created as a result also how you got dealt with the fear, how do you have to turn that fear into purpose and created positive change. Do you mind just mm. sharing and, cl and closing ultimately um, what, what, how you tie this journey to your personal legacy and what would you like to be remembered for? Well, there can be um, very little reward out of life without working relationships. I find that um, chasing happiness is elusive. Um, I find that wanting to be happy um, is is a is a goal undefinable by unreachable unreachable arms. I find that every single time I have become successful at something, I have an inherent happiness that comes out of me. And so, I would like to help other people become successful at achieving goals that they find add value to their lives. Thank you for listening to Legacy Leader Show. If you enjoyed the content and had a positive experience, then please leave us a positive rating. In addition, leave us positive review whenever you are listening on whatever platform there might be. Make sure your friends and family also know about the benefit and value that we provide and what we have to offer. Cheers.